All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Philemon, the book of Philemon, and we'll begin reading in verse number 8. The Bible says, Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such a one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me, whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him that is mine own bowels, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, but that should, shouldest re receive him forever. Not, as now, not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, especially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, as we bow in your presence now, we come to the throne of grace and mercy in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you'll speak to us and speak through us, and may the will of God be done. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. I want to preach on this subject a few moments, on doing, doing others right when they have have done you wrong. Doing others right when they have done you wrong. That's where we find this passage of Scripture here as Paul is writing to Philemon uh, concerning this runaway slave Onesimus who has no doubt uh, taken money from Philemon and has fled to Rome. And in the process of that, he ran from his master, but he ran into a greater master. He met the Lord Jesus Christ through the Apostle Paul, who has witnessed to him and won him. And now Paul is sending him back uh, as a testimony of the grace of God and is asking, asking Philemon uh, to show mercy and grace and to receive him not just as a slave, but above a slave as a brother. And what Paul is going to do here is Paul is going to make five appeals to Philemon uh, concerning Onesimus. We'll mention them and then we'll bring the heart of the message concerning doing others right when they have done you wrong. But I want you to notice these five appeals here because the first appeal we see in verse number 8 as Paul appeals to his character. Notice the word wherefore. He said, wherefore though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient so Paul uses the word wherefore. He reaches back and takes those first seven verses and ties them in uh, with what he's about to say. Remember in the first seven verses as Paul comes to Philemon, uh, he calls him a dearly uh, beloved brother uh, and fellow labor. And Paul mentions that. He deals with uh, Philemon's character and his conduct, how that he was a family man, a faithful man, and a fruitful man. And he praises him in verse number seven as he said, for we have great joy and consolation in thy love because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee brothers. So in other words uh, Paul mentions here uh, Philemon's character and he talks about how that he was a brother that was a refresher to the saints of God. Well, that's going to be put to the test like never before and Paul realizes that and so he appeals to his character. He says, now we know the kind of testimony, the kind of character and conduct that you have Philemon and said, I want you uh, just as you have refreshed the saints here as he mentioned in verse number 7, he said, I want you to do that same thing for this uh, run 
runaway slave uh, that has been converted, Onesimus. So he appeals to his character. Then in verse number 9, he appeals to uh, his charity. He said, Yet for love's sake, I rather beseech thee, being such in one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. So he mentions a second time in this epistle here that he is a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And Paul addresses, uh, uh, he appeals rather, should I say, to his charity. He says, yet for love's sake. And Paul is reminding him, as he mentioned in verse number uh, verse number 4, he said, hearing of thy love and faith. And then in verse number 7, he says, for we have great joy and consolation in thy love. So he talks about the love of God, the love of Philemon and the love of the apostle Paul, how that it was the love of God uh, that put that love in them to love each other and to love the people of God. So he's appealed to his character. He's telling him, said, I want you to do this for love's sake. And so then he appeals to his charity. And then he appeals to uh, his conversion, talking about Onesimus' conversion. As he said in verse number 10, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. So he calls Onesimus a son, just as Paul would use that same terminology about Timothy, and he would use it about Titus. Here, he uses it uh, concerning Onesimus to uh, let Philemon know that now he is also a son in the faith. So it appeals to his conversion. Then he appeals to his conduct as he talks about Onesimus' conduct as he says in verse number uh, verse number 11, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me, whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is mine own bowels, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should be as it were of Necessity, not of not uh, be as it were necessity, but willingly. And so he appeals here uh, to the conduct of Philemon, or I mean of Onesimus, because Onesimus had been a great blessing. He'd been a great encouragement uh, to the apostle Paul, and Paul wanted Philemon to know that because Philemon loved the man of God. He wanted to be good to Paul, and he loved Paul. And so Paul uses that as a testimony on Onesimus's behalf that just as you, Philemon, have been a refresher and a blessing to my spirit, so has this new convert in the Lord Jesus Christ been also. So he appeals to his conduct. And then Paul makes one final appeal in verse number 15 and 16, and that is to his Christianity. He said, For perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever, not as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, specially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So he reminds Philemon that Onesimus now is not a slave, but he's a brother. He's, a, he's one of us. He is a, a servant of God. He also is a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he appeals to his Christianity. And I think this shows the wisdom of Paul as Paul is laying the groundwork because he has a double burden here. He not only wants to help restore Onesimus, but in the process of doing that, that he does not want to lose Philemon. Amen? He wants to help 
both the new convert and this uh, and this more mature saint of God. And well, I think that's a blessing how that God uses individuals to minister to other individuals, not just the lost, but uh, even the saved. And we're talking about the young and we're talking about the old. But I'm glad God gives wisdom to the man of God so that he can help that new convert, but he can also help that more mature Christian. Amen. Well, when we come to this text, one of the thoughts that came to my mind was, is why is it right to do others right when they have done you wrong. I'm sure you, everyone that's listening and watching right now can testify to that very fact. If you've been saved any length of time, you probably no doubt can look back in your life and see that when you've tried to do others right, somewhere along life's way, someone has done you wrong. Onesimus has clearly done Philemon wrong. He has taken from him. He has ran away. His testimony has been marred in the eyes of Philemon uh, as a lost man, but now he is coming back. And Philemon uh, faces the task of treating this brother right when he has treated him wrong. You know, I think we could have revival in our churches today if we would all listen to this message, not because I'm preaching it, but because of the principle that we find in this text here, that whenever we're done wrong by others, if you and I would take the time to pray and think about what is the right reaction to those that have done us wrong. Is it right to treat them the same way that they have treated us? Or what would God have us to do when others have treated us wrong? How should we treat them? It's always right to do right, and it's always wrong to do wrong. You can mark that down. It is never right to do wrong. So regardless of how others treat me, it's not about how they treat me. It's about how I treat them. And I want to stop and say this. I don't have to give an account for how others have treated me, but I do have to give an account to God for how I have treated them. So we're looking at why it is right to do right when to others when they have done us wrong. I want to give you three reasons why that you ought to do others right when they have done you wrong. I want to say number one, you ought to do it for self's sake. Amen? For self's sake. Notice in verse number 8 that Paul says, Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such as one as Paul the aged, and now also as a prisoner of Jesus Christ. You see, Paul uh, wants to help Philemon, and he wants to help him show forgiveness and restitution to this runaway slave. And Paul says in verse number 8 here that he might be, wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee, he says in the next verse, yet for love's sake. Paul said, I could be bold, but Paul said, I don't want to be bold. He said, I want to be broken. I want to use love. I want you to use love. I want it all to be about a manner of showing love to someone. He didn't want Philemon to just accept Onesimus for Paul's sake, but he wanted him to do it for his own sake. He wanted him to do it because it was in his heart to, to do him right, even though he had done him wrong. He wanted it to, to be out of a motive of love. I think everything that we do for the cause of Christ all of the love ought to be the dominating factor. It ought to be the driving motive. We ought to do it, number one, because we love Jesus. And we ought to do it, number two, because we love the individual. And what Paul is doing here is he's as concerned about Philemon as he is Onesimus. And so he's appealing to him, not in boldness, but in love. And I, I want to stop and say there is a time when, as men of God, we ought to be bold. And I think there's a time to take a stand. But we ought to be also know how to express love. 
Now, I've seen some people in the Christian life that they knew how to flex their spiritual muscles, they knew how to act strong, and they knew how to be bold. And, and boy, they have the testimony of being bold, but they didn't have a good testimony about ministering and, and showing love. Our Savior was bold when He needed to be. But Christ Jesus knew how to express love. And love was the drawing magnitude. Calvary was all about the love of God and the love of His Son for sinners. And I want you to see here that Paul uh, tells us that when others do us wrong, we should do them right, number one, for our own sake. You see, uh, there's three reasons to, as to why that a Christian may practice love and forgiveness. One could be because of discipline. Another could be because of duty. Then another one could be because of desire. And Paul wanted it to be the desire of Philemon to love and forgive and restore Onesimus and do him right. You see, discipline says that I have to. And duty says I ought to. But desire says I want to. And he wanted him to have the desire. The same desire that Paul had for Onesimus, he wanted that to be in the heart of Philemon. And can I tell you, whenever you do people right, when they've done you wrong, it doesn't need to be out of discipline. It doesn't need to be well, I did the right thing because it's the right thing. And to an extent, that would be uh, somewhat commendable, I reckon. But it ought to be because it's in your heart to be good to them in spite of how they have been to you. And so I want you to see here that he doesn't want to lose this brother while trying to help another brother. Paul says in verse number 9 that uh, he is as one as Paul the aged. Paul's about 60 years of age here. And Paul realizes that his course is just about run. And in the process, Paul knew that it was important that he kept both of these brethren, that both of them was needed. And it's interesting in verse number 10 that uh, Paul reminds Philemon of these things about Onesimus. He reminds him of his conversion. In verse number 10, I beseech thee. He uses that word beseech two times here, in verse, once in verse number 9, again in verse number 10. Paul's literally begging him, I beg thee, I beseech thee, for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in in my bonds. So he reminds him of, of the conversion of Onesimus, but then he reminds him of the crime of Onesimus in verse 11, which in time past was to the unprofitable, but now is profitable uh, to thee. So he mentions the crime in verse 11. He also mentions the confidence that he says that now he's going to be profitable to thee. But it's interesting, Paul never sugarcoated anything. Uh, it was clear that Onesimus had not done right. And Paul says there was a time in his life when he was unprofitable to you. And I, I like that about Paul because Paul was balanced. Paul didn't lean to one side or, or just lean over to the other side, but Paul kept a good balance. He brings out his conversion. He brings out his crime. He brings out his confidence. But now he is profitable to thee. He brings out the coming of Onesimus in verse number 12. Look what he said, Whom I have sent again, that thou therefore receive him that is mine own bowels. You know, that's interesting because just because Onesimus got saved, Paul didn't say, well, you know, just forget the old life and, and what you've done in the past is in the past and just pick up and go on. No, Paul sent him back where he needed to be, where he needed to go to. Paul wanted him to make everything that he had done wrong, he wanted him to make it right. He wanted him to clear his testimony with those that, that had a bad testimony. I mean, what would have been the testimony of Philemon, uh, or I mean the thought process of Philemon, if Onesimus would have just stayed in Rome and would have just kept on going and, and would have never came back and made the things uh, right that he had made wrong? I mean, it wouldn't have been a good testimony. And can I tell you, when you think about Zacchaeus, when he got saved, 
What did Zacchaeus say? He said, if I have taken from any man by false accusation, he said, I want to restore him fourfold. You know, when people get right with God, they'll make things right in the community that they've made wrong. They'll go back to people and ask for their forgiveness. And if they owe somebody money, they'll pay them that money if they got saved. They, they won't just leave all that thing uh, things undone and say, well, you know, that's all under the blood. No, you know, conversion makes things right with God and it also makes things right with man. It puts it in the heart of that individual that saved to want to do not just God right, but you want to do everybody right. And Onesimus, his willingness to come back uh, was a great testimony, no doubt, to Philemon that, uh, that he was doing the right thing, that he was back, that he was going back and he was wanting to make every uh, thing right that he had made wrong. And so he talks about the coming of Onesimus and then he talks about the comfort of Onesimus in verse number 13. He said, Whom I would have retained with me that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. So he had a good testimony with Paul because after he got saved uh, he was a blessing to the man of God. And Paul is mentioning all these things about Onesimus. Why? Not for just for Onesimus' sake, but he's doing it for Philemon's sake. You say, well preacher why should I do people right when they've done me wrong? For your sake. For your own sake. For self's sake. You see, if you harbor feelings toward people, if you have hatred towards somebody, if you're envious towards somebody, if you're bitter towards somebody, if you have a malicious spirit towards somebody, you say, but Brother Gravely, you don't know what they've done to me. You don't know how they treated me. You don't know all the things that, uh, that they've said about me. I don't know that. But what I do know is this, is that if you harbor those feelings and you hang on to those feelings, you know what it'll do? It'll destroy your own life. I'm not saying that that you've got to become their best friend. I'm not saying that uh, uh, you've got, if they're a dangerous person, some people are dangerous to be around. Some people are, uh, cannot be trusted. They're not trustworthy. And I understand that. And some people are, are better to love at a distance. I understand that. But what you better do is check your heart and make sure there's no bitterness, there's no malice, there's no anger. Make sure that you have forgiven them. Make sure that you have, have, have wiped the slate clean, that you've put it behind you, and that you've got the grace uh, that, it's you, that if you see them, that you can treat them right and do them right, even if they have done you wrong. I'm not telling you to be their best friend. I'm not telling you to go over and hang out with them. Uh, some, listen, they may rub off you in a wrong, uh, in a wrong way, but what I'm saying is uh, you've, got to, you've got to get it under the blood and you've got to ask God for grace. Why? For your own sake. It'll destroy you for self's sake. Then I would say, secondly, another reason why you should do others right when they've done you wrong is not only for self's sake, but ought to do, it for, do them right for the sinner's sake. You see, the Bible here in verse number 15, he said, For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldest receive him forever. You see, his sinful path led him, uh, uh, it led him to his real master. Uh, I think one of the things that Philemon has to recognize here is that what happened was a tragedy in his own life. It was terrible that this slave would take from him and, and would run off. And, and, and Philemon had by all means, he had the rights to take his life when he came back. 
He could have stoned him. He could have, he could have killed him. He could have tormented him. Slaves that, that ran off were treated uh, very badly. They, they were killed by their masters many times. They could be tortured. All of this would have been legal for Philemon to do. But what Philemon needs to, uh, to remember is he needs to see the big picture. Though he ran from, uh, from him, uh, by him running from him, he ran straight into the arms of God. He, he found the apostle Paul and he was, he was one to God. He was converted. And this is proof that all things work together for good. And what may have been bad in, in Philemon's life was really just a part of God's providence in bringing him to Christ. I think that Philemon has to look and see that all of this that happened happened so that Onesimus could be saved, so that he could be born again. And Paul said, Perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever. He said, You lost him as a slave, but now you're going to gain him as a brother. You know, that's interesting because God knows how to turn grief into gain. He knows how to take bad situations and make them good. The things that happen to us sometimes that that may seem so bad, may not even be about us. I, I kindly think that, yes, uh, we know that Onesimus sinned and we know that what he did was not right and God would have never said that was right. Paul's not saying that is what is right. Paul's going to make him go back and, and do the right thing now as a Christian. But, but what if he wouldn't have left? What if he wouldn't have ran away? What would have happened? He may have remained a slave and died and went to hell. But he, came, he left and, and he saw his sin. He saw his wrongdoing. He saw where it got him and the end result of that was he heard the gospel and he got saved by the grace of God. And so uh, his sinful path led him to his real master, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then his uh, uh, spiritual path led him back to his earthly master. It brought him back to Philemon and he come back as a brother. Now he can receive him forever. You know, when you think about that, God knows how as I said before, to take the bad things in life and make good out of them. That's another reason why we should not get bitter. We should see the big picture. The plan of God is not finished. And, and you say, well, I, this thing happened in my life. It was a tragedy. Preacher, how can any good come out of it? I don't know. And, and I certainly would be a fool to try to, uh, try to tell you some good that has come out of it. I've not walked where you've walked. I've not been through what you've been. But what I can tell you is this, is that God did not let it happen by chance nor circumstance. It's not an accident. But what God knows is that somewhere down life's, uh, long life's way, He's going to take that bad. He's going to use it for His glory. He's going to use it for your good and one day you'll look back in life and say you know what uh, God used that in a way that, that I thank him for that but if you get bitter if you get if you get uh, angry if you allow it to, to, to be a sore spot in your life you know what you do you will do you'll miss out on that good thing that God has for you in your life and I think about you say well preacher what if nothing good comes that I can see what about sinners I'll tell you, you ought to treat people right when they've done you wrong for self's sake so that you don't get bitter. But you ought to treat people right when they've done you wrong because sinners are watching you. You never know that the people that may be watching your life as a result of that person that's done you wrong. And by you continuing to be a friend to them by, or by you continuing just to choose to not be bitter and to, and to do them right and to be good to them, you know what the end result of that is? Others are seeing that. And others are watching you as to see how you react to them. Somebody, I promise you, is watching your life to see, are you going to act like a Christian? You know, we can say we're Christians and we can sing the songs and go to church and tote Bibles. And we can, we, we can, we can dress like a Christian. 
But when people do us wrong, that's when the world looks in to see if what we have is real, how we will react. You know, our Savior, the world did Him wrong, didn't they? And Jesus, when He was on the cross, as He was looking at that angry mom that was that was crying, that had cried, crucify, crucify. They walked by, the Bible says that they walked by and they, they watched him to, to see what he would do. I mean, here's a crowd that, that, that hated him. Here's a crowd that had mistreated him. Here's a crowd that had crucified him to a cross. You know what Jesus said about, about that crowd? He prayed for them. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know, I think about how Jesus prayed for their forgiveness. That crowd did not ask for forgiveness. That crowd did not appreciate that forgiveness. They didn't care if Jesus prayed for, the, for, for their forgiveness for the, to the Father. They didn't ask for... Somebody said, well, if they ask, I'll forgive them. Well, that crowd didn't ask to be forgiven. You said, well, I'd forgive them, but they, they wouldn't appreciate it. That crowd didn't appreciate it. But Jesus prayed it anyway. You know why? Because He loved them. Because they were sinners. And I want to say that you and I ought to do people right when they've done us wrong. Number one, for self's sake. Number two, for sinner's sake. And then number three, for saint's sake. Look at what Paul says in verse number 16. Now, not now as a servant, but above a servant. A brother beloved, especially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Notice what he said in verse 17. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. Paul says, says, Philemon, you need to forgive him for your own sake because he's going to be a benefit to you. It was part of the plan of God, the will of God. You need to forgive him for his sake. He has experienced the forgiveness of God and he knows what that's like to be forgiven by our Savior. Now he knows what he needs to know what it is like and experience what it's like to be, uh, to be forgiven by a brother in Christ. He has experienced the love and the mercy and the grace of God. Now he needs to experience the love and the mercy and the grace of a brother in the Lord Jesus Christ. But he said, I want to tell you another reason why that you need to do him right even though he's done you wrong is not just for your own sake not just for uh, the sinner's sake but how about for my sake for the saint's sake Paul says if thou count me therefore a partner receive him as myself do it for me Philemon do it for me because you love me as the man of God. You know, I think we ought to practice forgiveness and do people right uh, for others. You say, why? Because it encourages saints. You know, if a dad gets bitter at some man because he has mistreated him in the church and maybe that brother in the church didn't do him right and he gets bitter about that, do you know what, how that, who that's going to affect the most? It's going to affect your children. It's going to affect other people in the church. Maybe somebody in the church didn't do you right and you're holding a grudge at them and you're refusing to shake their hand. You're refusing to, to be kind to them. Or if you do, you're just doing it because you have to. There's no love there. You know what that's going to do? That's going to rub off on some other brother in the church. You say, well, he didn't do me right, and, and that's not right. Well, I want to tell you this. He didn't do you right, but because you don't do him right, one day you're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ, and you're going to give an account for not only treat, uh, mistreating him because he mistreated you, but then you're going to have to give an account because it affected someone else. It caused someone else to look at that brother that had not done right, and they, they didn't practice Christian love and Christian forgiveness, and the truth is that brother didn't do the other person wrong at all, but because of your bad spirit, your bad 
bad attitude. It's affected your children. It's affected a church member. I'm just simply saying this, that when we do people right, when they've done us wrong, it's an encouragement to the saints of God. It shows real Christian love and real Christian fellowship and real Christian forgiveness. And then I will say this, it's an example. It shows others how we're supposed to be, what Christ is like. You know, when we think about Jesus, he looked at Judas one day and he called him a friend. I want to tell you something, Judas was no friend. Judas was a betrayer. Judas was a devil. But Jesus cannot lie, and Jesus called him a friend. Now, if he was a betrayer, and, if he, and you know as well as I do he wasn't a friend to Jesus, he sold him out. But if Jesus cannot lie, how can that be true? I'm going to tell you how it's true. Because friendship in the eyes of our Savior was not based on how people treated him, but it was based on how he treated them. So many times what we want to call a friend is someone that's been good to us. But who Jesus called friends was those that he was good to. Well, they're going to ask him one day, where did you get those wounds? And he's going to say, in the house of my friends. Those that have wounded him, Christ called them his friend. I want to tell you, friend, being a Christian is not about how people treat you. We love to love people that love us back. But loving people... And doing people right is not based on how they treat us. It's based on how we treat them. It's based on how we react. Say, you know somebody and I know somebody right now that has been terrible. They have said all kinds of things. They've done all kinds of things. And, and, and in our heart, it's so easy to just say, well, I'll never talk to them again. I'll never, I'll never shake their head. I'll, I'll never do anything for them. But I want to tell you something. If you want to be a real Christian, then you all learn how to love them. That doesn't mean you have to accept them. That doesn't mean you need to go hang out with them. That doesn't mean that you need to become their best friend. Listen, if somebody left the church and they didn't do right, do what the Bible says. Mark that person. Have no fellowship with that person. That's what the Word of God tells us about those people that that mistreat and do wrong. But don't be bitter at the person. Don't hate the person. You know, you don't have to hang out with them, but you don't have to hate them neither. You ought to love them. You say, well, how do I love them? By praying for them praying that they get right with God. You know, that's why we break fellowship from people when we have to, when they've walked disorderly and they have caused problems. They've went against the man of God or they've went against the church or, the, or something like that. You don't become their friend when they have raised their hand against the church. But what you do is you don't mistreat them. You don't go out and say nasty things about them. You don't go out and, and talk about them. You don't spread the gossip. You say, well, it's true, but it still doesn't need to be told. You just pray for them. You just love them. And you just try to, you just try to pray that they'll get right with God. Amen. You don't, like I said, you don't go eat supper with them. Amen. You don't go become their best friend. But what you do is you pray for them every day and if you pass them along the street somewheres, you smile at them and you be kind to them and then you go on your merry way. If they break, if you see them broke down on the side of the road and they've got a flat tire, you don't drive on by and say, well, they got what's coming to them. Oh, no. You pull over and you help them change that tire and then you just send them on their way. I'm talking about, listen, you do them right even though they've done you wrong. Amen. You put that balance there. And that's what he's saying. But here is a man that is repentive. And when people are repentive, it doesn't matter what they've done. We have an obligation. We have a responsibility to not just forgive them, but to go above and beyond and treat them right. Onesimus was coming home. He was coming back to repent. Yes, he had done Philemon wrong, but he's doing right now. And Philemon has the responsibility to do him right, number one, for self's sake. Number two, for the sinner's sake. 
But then for the saints' sake, he wanted, Paul said, you'll be a great blessing and encouragement to me by being a blessing and an encouragement to him. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you'll take this message. and God, I pray that there may be someone listening or watching right now that, Lord, they have been done wrong by someone. Maybe it's a brother. Maybe it's a lost person. That God, maybe they've harbored feelings or they've had hatred or envy or they've wished bad things upon them. God, I pray you'll take this message and help them. Lord, help them to realize the balance. God, that they don't, they don't need to, if they're dangerous, if they're deadly, if they've went against the church or they've went against the man of God, they don't need to call them up and become best friends. Or Lord, they'll drag them down that same path. But what they need to do is practice real forgiveness in their heart real love in their heart. And if they see them, they need to be kind to them. They don't need to talk about them. They, they, need, to, they need to be a friend to them in spite of how they have been to them. Father, I pray that you'll give them the grace, give them the courage. May the Holy Spirit do the work. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.